Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen. And so are you! <laughs> Screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets bent. This is episode 108. It's 108, and I'm feeling great, so come on, everybody, let's... No, no, let's not do that. Not during my show, okay? We have a jam-packed episode for you, because we're going to be talking about four fun-filled films. That was hard to say. Let's try it again. Four fun film. I can't. Fuck you. Four fuck you films, okay? <laughs> We're going to be talking about the new vampire film from Jim Jaramusch, Only Lovers Left Alive, starring Tilda Swinton, and it's groovy. It's like hipster vampires, but not annoying. And then we're going to talk about Proxy, a very special screening that I got to see, a pre-advanced screening. It's pretty crazy, and I think, well... I can't even describe this movie, so let's just keep talking. And then we're going to go to musical theater camp to talk about the killer in stage fright kabuki killers singing songs. Oh, it's wonderful. And finally, the major release, Oculus, mirror, mirror on the wall. Want to watch me scratch my ball? That was dumb. Okay, as always... There's a lot of show to get to, so I'm going to start the damn show. I don't have a podcast promo for you this week. To be perfectly honest, I don't know what's new in my podcast promo list and what's not. So, hey, if you got a podcast out there and you have a promo, Edward, I'm looking at you. Please send it to me so I can pimp your shit out. However... I've been listening to a lot of the We Hate Movies podcast, and I highly recommend you check that out. It's a bunch of guys here in New York, and they'll pick a movie, and they'll pick it to pieces. Sometimes it's a bad movie, sometimes it's a great movie. You find out all these silly things you may or may not have noticed. And the thing I like about them is that actually they really do like movies. They want it to be a good movie. But often it's not. And often they'll pick apart a movie for an hour and then they'll be like, you know what? I totally recommend this. And I really enjoy this show. We hate movies. Their Friday the 13th Part 5 discussion is brilliant. Putting Captain Kirk and Captain Picard in Camp Crystal Lake, which has somehow become a trailer park over the years, is genius. So go check them out. We Hate Movies at wehatemovies.com. Find them on iTunes or on Stitcher or whatever. Enough about other people. Let's talk about me. What's been going on since last we talked? Well, Marilyn, are you bored of this yet? Well, good, because it's done. Done, done, done. Well, I recorded my last chapter shortly after the last show aired, and it's all up in my sound manager's, you know, master dude's business. And I had to call him today and be like, hey, where's my shit, Nick? What's going on? It's been a couple of weeks, and I just want this done to done, done, done. But soon, my children, soon. And the Ryan case is back on. Now, the Ryan case, as many of you know, is the interactive murder mystery that I've been doing with Live in Theater here in New York for the past few years. The thing is, it's been downgraded. We're just doing it for private shows now, mostly for school groups. And that's kind of sad, but I understand it. It's run its course. Everybody's seen it who's going to see it by now. And, you know, if you didn't see it, I did it for five fucking years, for Christ's sake. What were you waiting for? However, I have been cast in their other show, The Lombardi Case. Get ready, baby, for The Lombardi Case, 1975. There's a psycho killer on the loose here with the big bad apple. But can you help catch this freak? The Lombardi Case, 1975. is an interactive murder mystery, y'all. It's going to send you deep into the streets of Little Italy as you encounter all kinds of weirdos and freaks. Well, for more information or to buy tickets, you head on over to www.liveintheater.com or call 212-780-4787. Right on in which we're hunting down a serial killer through the streets of 1970s ultra-sleazy New York with a bunch of hookers and pimps and sleazy... Every, it's just wonderful, wonderful, fun stuff. That'll be starting soon, so keep your ear out for information about that. 
Oh, and it was so tragic. Like we did, I did one performance of the Ryan K so far, and I was so excited. It was a night show. We're doing it at our old location in the park in Chinatown, where I started. You know, where I was the king of the rats. If you heard that story, if you haven't heard that story, go back and listen because it's amazing. And we were getting these groups, these school groups, in from uh, French Canada, Montrealians, perhaps. And these groups are always great. These kids are just like the example of what American students should be and are not. They're just alert, smart, speak two languages fluently, and just know how to play the game. And it's always a treat. The problem was it was fucking raining ice that day. Did we cancel? No. So they all have umbrellas because it started late. Uh, the, The storm started late in the day and it really came as a surprise. So they all had umbrellas. I didn't have an umbrella. I froze my ass off. I stood out in the park for an hour and a half just shivering wet for my art bitches. And the thing is, these kids were so great, it made me want to be better for them. But I'm like, I can't. I can't. Literally, my body has shut down. I'm doing the best that I can. Fucking Montrealians. And hey, here's another great sign that spring has sprung. The schoolyard lady is back. Yeah. You know, my favorite lady. With the bullhorn, you know, at the school across the street from me. Yelling at the kids in the playground. Stay away from the running fountain! No running! Except now she's got a new bullhorn. Remember she had the one with the siren? That before she started yelling it would go boop! Like that, but now she's got one that's like a police siren. It goes woo, 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 woo! Just as annoying. And I realize I'm really glad that Marilyn's done because I would never ever be able to finish this goddamn book. With this bitch running around. So now I know my audiobook career happens in the winter. Not or in the summer. Not in the spring or the fall. Fuck her. Fuck her with her bullhorn. So I've learned some unsettling things in the past couple of weeks. I've learned unsettling things about Bradford. I came in the other day into the bedroom and he was sleeping. Shocker. And his foot was hanging out over the edge of the bed. His you know, big, stinky monkey foot hanging over the edge of the bed. No sheet on it, nothing. I said, Bradford! I woke him up. I said, Bradford, get your foot onto the bed and under the covers right now before the boogeyman eats your toes. He said, what are you talking about? I'm like, don't you know when your foot hangs off the bed? That the boogeyman comes up from under the bed and eats your toes. And he said, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never heard of such a thing. And I just shook my head and walked out of the room. I said, I don't know how you've lived this long. I don't know how you have all your damn digits on your foot, all your fucking foot phalanges, when you don't know these basic survival techniques. And then, like later that day, I was pouring myself a bowl of cereal. He was in the kitchen. I poured myself a bowl of cereal. I also had a cup of coffee. And I poured some milk in the cereal because, you know, that's traditionally what you do. And I said, milk. And then I poured some in the coffee and I said, milk. Now, realizing I had said milk twice, I said, lemonade. And then I did the rest of the poem. Round the corner, fudge is made, stick your finger up the hole, out pops a tootsie roll. And I turned and looked at Bradford and he looked at me like I had sprouted wings. And was flying around the kitchen, which, you know, this time I was not. And he's like, what was that? I said, the the milk, milk, lemonade poem. Everybody knows that. He's like, you just made that up right now. I said, no, I did not. Oh, no, I did not. That has been uh, a basic staple of learning for children around the world for as long as there has been children and, and I guess Tootsie Rolls. But he's like, I have never heard such a disgusting thing in all my life. And again, I just thought, that poem, it's, it's, it's a classic. It's been handed down from generation to generation. It's basic anatomy. It's science. And yet he doesn't know it. He doesn't know milk, milk, lemonade, or the boogeyman rules. How are you still alive? Or better yet, why are you still alive? If you don't know the milk, milk, lemonade song, how do you have joy in your life? I ask myself, And I feel blessed that I grew up the right way. And that I have, I am clearly a far superior being than he will ever be. So, ha! So when you're walking around with 
No toes. Trying to find a Charleston chew in your butt. Well, it'll just show how ignorant you are because, oh my God, Charleston chews. Why did I pick the thing that's three feet long? Oh God. Because ah! I'm disgusting. We're all disgusting and you love it. So I want to say a huge congratulations to listener Dan Dominguez. Dan Dominguez, we got to see your show, The Great Immensity, at the public last night. And it was fantastic, and you were fantastic. And it was an amazing piece to see because it was incredible to see something that was so entertaining yet so thoroughly unsettling. Anyway, congratulations, Dan. And I have to say, I went in cold, not really knowing what it was about, and part of me was really frightened that the title, The Great Immensity, was going to refer to Bradford's asshole, but it didn't. So that was good. Because really, who wants to sit through two hours of that? Not me. Not anybody. Not even Bradford. And it was nice to see Father Dominguez back. I, don't, I know it wasn't Father Dominguez, but it sounded just like Father Dominguez. Yes. 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 Anyway... Oh, one more congratulations that I have to send out. Now, many of you are familiar with frequent guest of the show, Mr. David Robiano, my former boss from the Jekyll and Hyde Club, which, by the way, I'm back working at again, so I, 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 I don't know. I'm their whore now, but that's not the point. We're talking about David, and I'm not David's whore anymore. Anyway, he's been on the show several times. He came on to talk about burnt offerings, and he was there to talk about... Um, the Blackout Haunted House, and I think he's been on one other time. I forget, not the point, but you know him, you love him. I love him. And it turns out that this week, I got the wonderful news that David Robiano, my longtime friend, is getting married! Yes, he became engaged to his partner, Sean... And I'm verklempt and crying. And I know I'm probably not going to get invited to the wedding. And that's okay. But if I don't get an invitation to jump out of a cake at a bachelor party, I'll be very disappointed in you. Congratulations, David. Congratulations, Sean, for you know, going to the next level of the game. And of grown up a tube, which is more than I can say for myself. Yes, the rebound. Bradford and I got to go to the movies. Bradford and I got to go see Noah. What the fuck? Now, this was a screening at SAG, the SAG WGAE Film Society. And so it was free. And we kind of knew we were in for something. Maybe not so good, but before the movie started, Bradford leans over to me and goes, well, at least we know that Russell Crowe won't be singing in this one. And I said, you know what? You're right. That is a positive thing to look forward to. Except he did sing in it. He sang a lullaby to baby Hermione from friggin' I was like, why is he singing again? Fought the world now before he finishes the song. But seriously, if you haven't seen this movie, it is a fucking train wreck. Like, parts of it are great, and then you're like, okay, but then there's, like, walking rock monsters that talk. And I said, I don't remember this part in the Bible where it turned into Lord of the Rings. I'm like, okay, that's great. I also don't remember the part about the stowaway on the boat who somehow was on the boat for nine months or more because he was there for the entirety of Hermione's pregnancy. Yet nobody noticed. He was eating animals and nobody noticed. I'm, okay. Okay, but it really just boiled down to him singing. Russell Crowe sang again. Is that in your contract now, Russell? Do you think you're a musical theater star now? Do we have to work a song into everything that you do now? Because haven't we suffered enough? Isn't it bad enough that you ruined the film adaptation of one of the most beloved Musicals of all time, one of the most beloved characters in musical theater history. Your performance is preserved for all time, fucking it up. And not just a little bit, like a lot of bit, Russell Crowe. Ah, uh, Noah? No way. 
Anyway, like I said, we've got lots to talk about, so that's enough of my babbling for this time. So we're going to go right into the show. We're going to play a little music, put on your dancing shoes, put on your dancing shoes, and then listen to the horror movie news. That didn't really work rhythmically, but you know what? Neither do I. I'm white. I'm white. I'm really white. But that's okay, because my butt's real tight. What? Just, just start the music. Oh, my God. Ladies and gentlemen, from the off-Broadway sensation Showgirls the Musical, here's some stage advice for all of you. I see you being real. I'm going to talk about. I got to see, courtesy of the folks over the Stag After WGEA Film Society, and it is called Only Lovers Left Alive. Now, this is a vampire tale. Now, this is a story about vampires. No, this ain't your Twilight. No, sir. This ain't your Lestat either. What it is? is really damn cool. Let's take a listen to the trailer. 1868, her third wedding. You look so young. Give my regards to that suicidally romantic scoundrel. Well, let's hope he's just romantic. <sighs> you being so reclusive in everything is probably only gonna make people more interested in your music. Yeah, what a drag. This is just looking for us. Shouldn't she be sleeping in a coffin somewhere? I'm really, really hungry. You smell it all the way from LA. We're gonna have so much fun together. We gotta go. 
right now. So only lovers left alive stars the one, the only, the sleeping in a box in the Metropolitan Museum of Art, Miss Tilda Swinton. Yay! I want all Kermit the Frog for her. And also stars Tom Middleton. Uh, sorry, it's Tom Hiddleston, who I believe was Loki in the Avengers and all that. I don't really, I'm not super familiar with him, but I think that's who he was. And if it's not, oh well, we're gonna go with that. Anyway, they're vampires. See, and they've been around forever. They are vampires in love. They have existed longer than either one of them can remember. Now, here's the thing about this movie. It's the only reason I'm going to talk about it briefly. It's not a horror movie. Yeah, it's about vampires, but it is not a horror movie. It's a character study of these two creatures and how they exist, what it's like to live forever with the person that you love, with love that truly never dies. Enduring centuries, despite debauchery and, and plagues and everything, watching the world come and the world go, how do you go on? Well, this is how. In this movie, virtually nothing happens. It's two hours of virtually nothing happening. Yet, at no point was I bored. There's a hypnotic quality to this. Pair. They call themselves Adam and Eve. I don't know if we're implying that they're the actual Adam and the actual Eve, or if it's an inside joke, because these two have a black sense of humor. And it's just a really fascinating tale. Now, she is Eve, obviously, and she is spending her time currently in Tangiers, an ancient city, which is perfectly appropriate for an ancient gal. Meanwhile, Adam, he lives in the ruins of Detroit, so it's this interesting parallel between this ancient city that survived forever and Detroit, which is dead. With all these wonders that are still there that have just fallen to ruin. And they're reuniting for the first time. Uh -huh. I don't know how long. She loves life. She loves eternity. She finds things to live for. He is currently going through a depression that they go through every couple of hundreds of years or so. And is considering suicide, but... She comes to see him, and you learn about them and their history and how they fuel each other, and then, thrown into the mix, is her quote-unquote sister, Ava. Now, I thought maybe she was going to be Ava Perón, but no, it's, I don't really know how to pronounce her name, it's Mia, what's her face, she played Alice in Wonderland and the Tim Burton thing, and she's trouble, and you know, the moment she sets foot in that house, nothing good is going to come of it. Like I said, it's not a horror movie. It's fascinating, fascinating cinema. It's erotic. It's depressing. It's exhilarating. It's blackly funny. It's got an incredible soundtrack. I think a better way to describe the music is that it's like the movie itself. It's mixing very, very ancient sounds like you know, tribal world-influenced music with newer gothy industrial sounds and ethereal vocals and they're all pretty mixed together and you listen to it and see, yeah, that is exactly what a vampire would listen to. And it's eerie and it's hypnotic and it's beautiful and it's just like the rest of
recommend this movie. It's kind of like the new Let the Right One In. And that kind of slow pacing and they never even say the V word. They just talk about how they always have been around. I think it's cute. Adam is always referring to humans as zombies and he's so tired of them. He's so tired of them and their destruction and how they ruin everything and now they're poisoning their blood so we can't even feed properly and i don't know if that means to talk about aids and disease or he's talking about drugs or he's talking about everything but he got something against the music industry which is weird because he's in the music industry but you know what i i can't describe this movie except go see it i would recommend seeing it on the big screen because it is such a gorgeously filmed movie but i'm sure it'll translate perfectly well to your television set or computer screen the other thing i want to recommend about this movie it brought something to my attention because, of course, they are wonderfully amused by all vampire law lore. And little sister Ava is watching on YouTube a video from French television from the 1970s, and it's called Soul Dracula. And that's S-O-U-L, Dracula. I'm probably playing it for you right now, but you really have to go to YouTube and Google Soul Dracula because, wow. And they watch it and they giggle. <laughs> and I watched it and I said, I want to be in this video. I want to wear that little dress and I want to do the choreography wrong just like all the dancers are. Anyway, Only Lovers Left Alive, the highest possible recommendation I could give for a non-horror movie. Something to bring vampires back from the twilight brink. And from the black leather clad underworld brink. And from the whiny ass Anne Rice brink. Puts a little blood back in them. If you know what I mean. Ba-bing. See what I did there. Go see it. Ba-bing. Ba-bing. Why am I saying ba-bing? That means nothing. Ba-boom. That means less. Fuck you. I love you. Ah! Now another screening I got to see is a new movie that has not come out yet. And it is a movie called Proxy. Actually, that's not true. Proxy is available on demand, video on demand right now. And I'm going to tell you up front, I like this movie. I liked it a lot. So, check your cable company and see if you can find Proxy. Do it now. Well, not now. Listen to a review first. God, hold on. I am not going to spoil a thing. I'm just going to whet your appetite like I do in this kind of a situation. What's Proxy about? Well, let's listen to the trailer. It's not going to tell you much, and that's a good thing. But let's listen to it anyway because, you know, it's what we do here. Feel up to talking about what happened. Everything is just pieces, fragments. I couldn't tell you what was real or not. This type of assault, it's almost always carried out by someone who knows the victim. They say it gets better, but it doesn't. It never gets easy. What have you been telling people about Peyton? Peyton? He was just right here. What have you been saying about my son? I don't know what you mean. Stop lying! I'm Detective Oler with the Richmond Police Department. There was a break-in in that area. I don't know anything about that. I saw you with your son. When I came back, she was talking to you. What was she saying? You need help, Esther, and it's not coming from me. I need names. Give them up. I would never hurt you. I found something that I felt I should tell you about. Who was she? Tracy. You're the same. is directed by a gentleman named Zach Parker. I'm not familiar with his other movies, but I am fascinated by this film enough that I want to go and find out Mo about Zach Parker. Now, this story starts off, we meet an extremely pregnant woman named Esther. She's getting her ultrasound, and she's like got two weeks to go. 
before the baby is born. And she leaves the doctor's office and the credits start to roll. La la la. She's walking down the street. La la la. With her ponytail swinging. La la la. La la la. And suddenly there is a crime. She falls victim to a crime. It happens so suddenly and so violently that I was completely taken off guard. What happens to this woman is awful. And this is how you open the movie. And this act of violence was enough to make me go, okay, you've got my attention. Now, you dared to do something I have never even considered seeing on film before. And I'm going to be really quiet and hope you don't do the same thing to me. Anyway, long story short, she loses the baby. And in her grieving process, you know, she's in the hospital and she's talking to the cops. And the way she's talking about things, you start to realize things are not as they seem with Miss Esther. And the thing is with this movie, nothing is as it seems with anyone that you meet. And that is why this is another movie that's virtually impossible for me to talk about without spoiling. So I'm just giving you the basic setup. She goes to a, a women's group for you know people who have lost their children. And she meets another woman there. Super bubbly Kristen Chenoweth type of gal. And her name is Melanie. And Melanie takes her under her wing and is telling her everything's going to be okay and we're going to be happy here. We're going we're gonna to make you feel better. You'll never get over it, but, you know, it helps and, you know, grieving is beautiful and blah, blah, blah. And now Esther starts to befriend Melanie and starts to open up to Melanie and maybe starts to get an unhealthy, an un, I can't speak. She begins to develop an unhealthy obsession with Melanie who has lost her husband and her son in a drunk driving accident. And again, as with Melanie, we discover nothing is as it seems. This is not a flat-out horror movie, and actually even in the press materials that I was given, Zach Parker said, I hesitate to call this a horror movie. It is a very, very slow burn, and it's a little puzzle box of a movie, layer after layer after layer, gets peeled back of character after character, and their motivations and the truths that behind all the lies, and new angles keep coming, and new characters come in that change everything, keeping me completely off guard for an entire film, which is difficult to do. There came a certain point where he pulled a Hitchcock trick, completely pulling the rug out from underneath his audience, and by that I mean me. I said, I really don't know where we're going now. And I'm on board for this ride till the end. Please take me where you will. The title is never fully explained. It's not explained at all. It's not even addressed. Nobody ever says the word. But maybe someday I'll tell you what I think it means. But I can't do it now because it would spoil it. But proxy is all about substitution. There's also a condition that involves by proxy. And well... If I've given you too much of a hint, I'm sorry, but Proxy is an incredible and disturbing film that left me and my friend Noah, who I took to see it, we were talking about it for a good hour afterwards, talking about the different layers and things that we saw, because it's one of those movies, too, that things around the characters are telling you things. Objects in their houses, uh, pictures on the wall. They're never pointed out, but I'm like, did you see that picture on the wall? And he's like, yeah, I did see that. And we were like... <laughs> Unfortunately, there was almost nobody else in the screening, so we could be like, <laughs> and not disturb anybody, but it's a smart, intelligently made film, and it's extremely unsettling, and it basically shows you the horrible things that just might be going on with that lovely family right across the street. They seem so perfect, but are they really? Are any of us what we seem? I don't know. Do I sound like I'm naked right now? Because I am. That just got weird. I'm totally not naked. Why would I say such a thing? I'm just scrambling for things to say because I want you to see this movie, but I can't talk about it. So you got to trust me, kids. You got to trust me because there's a wonderful, disturbing, unsettling mystery to be found in Proxy. So go find it, God damn it. God.
Next! Ah! A movie has been released. It's a video on demand. I'm assuming soon it will be out on DVD for the rest of us. But as soon as I saw the trailer, I said, Oh my god, somebody finally made a horror movie specifically for me! Because the movie is called Stage Fright. And it's a slasher movie. Okay, big deal. What's the, what's the hoo-ha? Well, I'll tell you what the hoo-ha is. It's a slasher movie that's set at a musical theater camp. Even the cops are coming. They're so excited. They're hearing me getting all, all like, gay about it. Because, man, man, man. This movie is some giddy, gay, gory silliness. Let's take a listen to the trailer. All of life's a song to sing. So sing with all your heart. I have to get dressed. We can't do this now. Welcome to Limelight. I think about mom a lot. Maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. You actually want to compete with those theater geeks? Those kids aren't normal, Ken. Artie will be announcing this summer's Limelight production. Blessing of the Opera! Your mother's role. She would be proud. Who can tell me? What Japanese tradition involves covering your face all in white? Bukaki. Kabuki? There has been an accident. Maybe there's somebody out there that really doesn't want him to put on this play. Cam, do you think this is connected to your mom? Isn't it wrong to sing and dance when someone just died? Camilla, where are you? There's a killer in the theater! So Stage Fright opens up at the opening night of the Broadway premiere of the next great big destined to be a super hit musical, Haunting of the Opera. Not Phantom of the Opera because they get sued. Haunting of the Opera. And its star is the world-famous actress Minnie Driver. You know her? We love her. She's great. Don't get used to her. But she doesn't have long to celebrate no, she's basking in all the ovations and the, 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 the applause and everyone's saying, you're going to be a star! But before she can even leave her dressing room, she is butchered to death by someone wearing the opera ghost's costume. Now, she has a daughter who was there as well, a beautiful little girl and a beautiful little son. And they have been scarred for life, understandably. Now, we flash forward 10 years. And we meet Meatloaf. You know Meatloaf. Meatloaf. Meatloaf from the Rocky Horror Picture Show and Bad Out of Hell and all that other great stuff, Fight Club. And he was the producer of, fan of uh, Murder... Oh, God damn it. Haunting of the Opera. And only was the show ruined. His career was ruined by that tragic night as well. He lost all his backers, couldn't get... Never got another thing going. And instead, he opened up this musical theater camp out in the woods. Now, there's only one thing that would have gotten me more excited about this movie. And they gave it to me because not only is Stage Fright, a slasher movie set at a musical theater camp, the movie itself is also a musical. <gasps> we're here, we're here, we're here at Center Stage, the place where we can be ourselves and no one calls us names. They call me Weirdo. They call me Freak Show. They call me Sissy. Pussy. Mushy, mushy. Momo. They call me Barry. Slitty. Barry. Brody. Lyman. Bitchy. Liberace. And a slew of other logos. All of us have heard these names of hate, but let me get one thing straight. 
I'm gay, I'm gay, but not in that way. Musicals move me and touch me in ways I can't say. He's gay, but not in that way. I sleep with women, but musicals make me feel gay. I'm gay, I'm actually gay. I don't get hard when I see TNA. Could be my DNA or how I was raised. We don't distinguish here at Center State. We're all gay, we're gay in all kinds of ways. Some in the bedroom and some cause of musical plays. Ow, Sam, you're hurting me. Don't touch my hair. There are actual singing and dancing numbers, and I don't just mean the ones on stage that they're rehearsing. No, no, no. The people at this camp will just burst into group numbers every now and then, like we do in real life. That's just what happens around theater people. We just burst into spontaneous musical numbers at random moments, completely unrehearsed, with choreography and everything. It just happens. Nobody knows why. Now, to celebrate the 10th anniversary of this camp's opening, Meatloaf decides to take a huge risk the big show they're going to be putting on that summer. Guess what it is? Dun, dun, dun. Haunting of the opera. Now, he's taking those two kids under his wing. Mini Driver's kids, and they work in the kitchen now. Her daughter wants to audition. She's like, this was my mother's role. I know I'm not a camper here, but I feel like I should at least audition, which she does. Will she get the part? I'm not telling you. Because just her auditioning is what sets this whole bloodbath into motion. Because, since it is a slasher movie, obviously there is a killer at this camp. This killer that seems to hold a grudge against this show, and against the campers, and against musical theater in general. Because it's not long before these campers are getting bumped off in extremely gory ways by someone wearing the opera ghost costume. Now, What's different this time? Well, they have a director. They have this hotshot director who is a camper who's now going to go on to Broadway right after this. And he's like, I'm doing fan. I've decided to do Haunting of the Opera. But we're not just going to do it. We're, gonna, we're going to reinvent it. And it's going to be set in feudal Japan for no apparent reason. Because that is exactly how some directors are. It's like, okay, it takes place in Italy. All the names are Italian, but we're just going to move it to feudal Japan for no reason, because we can. They do that with Shakespeare all the time. So, the opera ghost is back, but this time, he's wearing a cool kiss-like kabuki mask. And not only does he wear a kiss-like kabuki mask, he sings heavy metal while he kills. Shut your fucking face! Your musicals are full of shit every single day! You people make me sick! Yes, as I So there's a lot of fun to be having in this movie. I enjoyed the hell out of it. It kind of loses steam a bit for me once they start, once the show opens and the killer's in the wings, it kind of loses some steam, which is sad. You have to wait a long time for the killer to get going. It's a slow burn because, you know, you get to meet all these characters and they're likable. I like everybody, even the ones that you're supposed to hate. I dug them. And they're so goofy and sweet and charming in that annoying musical theater kind of way. It's a funny juxtaposition with the gory ways that they die. But that all worked because it was wrong. I'm like, that's just mean. They're so chipper. How could you do that to them? Ew. Ew. But I lugged it. I lugged it. I lugged it. I liked it. It's liking it and loving it at the same time. I lugged this movie. <laughs> The music's good, and what's fun too, the songs that they're doing from Murder, uh, I've determined to call it Murder at the Opera, Haunting of the Opera, sound enough like Phantom of the Opera songs to make you think of Phantom of the Opera, but not get them sued. And the kids can sing. The cast is wonderful. 
The gore is great. The killer's look is fun. I like the idea of him being a heavy metal fan. That just totally works. He's like, I hate musical theater. Like that, because that was, I don't know why he was making that noise. Why he was making an air guitar. No, air guitar. No, I'm just excited about this movie. Stage Fright, when it is available, let's check it out, because it is tons and tons and tons of fun. Big recommend from me. So we're three for three so far, kids. How do you like that? We've got one more movie left to look at. Will it be a perfect four? Who knows? Next. Ah! And finally, the last film that I'm going to talk about today is the major release, Oculus. We've all seen the trailers. It's been all over the television. It's been out a week already. Should you go see it? I'm going to tell you right after this very informative trailer. Oh, God. Must be hungry. Tim is a healthy adult who represents no danger to himself or anyone else. And I believe he should be discharged. Hey, little brother. I found it. What do you mean? We only have a few days. A few days for what? To keep our promise and kill it. My name is Kaylee Ann Russell. The purpose of today's experiment is to prove that the object behind me is responsible for at least 45 deaths in the four centuries of its recorded existence. We got a new home, so we get new furniture. It's a bit ostentatious, though, don't you think? Hey, Dad, who's that lady in your office today? What lady? We were just kids. We made up a scary story so we wouldn't have to accept the fact that our father was a sick man who killed our mom. Why don't we just end it right now and smash the damn thing? First, I intend to prove that the people I've just described were victims of the supernatural force that resides in that mirror. You want to redeem the family name? You promised me you'd never forget what really happened. I was 10 years old. Daddy? Tim? Tim, snap out of it! setup for Oculus is very simple. There's a brother and a sister, much like the last film, sort of, that have been orphaned. After many years ago, their father brought home a mirror to furnish their new house, and he brought home the wrong mirror, because this mirror is evil. And it's not long before both of their parents are dead. And now, the brother is being released from years of psychiatric care, on his 21st birthday. And is planning to return to a normal life. However, his sister has other plans because she spent the last blah, blah, blah years plotting to find this damn thing and destroy it forever. There you go. There's the story. Now, Oculus is a masterfully made film. While it's not always super scary, it keeps you constantly off guard. Now, how does it do that? Well, I'll kind of tell you. But first, I just want to say some things that I really appreciated about it. The mirror itself, its power is never explained. Yeah, we hear the history. The sister has spent years researching previous owners and what happened to them. So we hear about all that. But we don't have an origin story. We don't hear anything about, oh, it's carved from the wood of a tree from which a witch was hanged. No, 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 no. This thing is just bad. Real bad. And I'm not going to tell you exactly what it does, because that's not fair, because that is the movie. But 
the way the story is told is where the mastery comes in because, as I said, we know that their mother and father were killed 10, 11 years ago. But we don't know exactly what happened. We saw a little bit of it, but not much. But as the movie progresses, once they start their plan to destroy this damn mirror, we start flashing back and forth between the present and the past and the present and the past. And we also learn that the mirror affects those around it psychologically. You start to see and hear what it wants you to see and hear. So you might not be doing what you think you're doing or talking to who you think you're talking to and things like that. So, as the movie starts to slowly rev up and accelerate, we keep flashing back and forth between the present and the past and the present and the past and the present and the past and faster and faster and faster and after a while they begin to overlap. And in its giddy last third, you are never, ever certain when you are. And it's hard to describe how he pulls that off, but you're bouncing back and forth so quickly and inside of the same cuts, they're overlapping so much that it's genius to watch. Some of the biggest scares come when you all of a sudden realize, ah, we're in a completely different time zone. Not time zone, but you know what I mean. Now add on top of that, the mirror's lies. So we're mixing present and past, truth and hallucination. And you mix that all together and it comes out to a very, very unsettling mindfuck of a movie. That was not Bradford farting. That is a car out in the street. This is why that book took 85 years. Sirens, motors, everything. Bullshit. Now, Oculus is adapted from director and writer Mike Flanagan's first film, I believe, or an earlier film of his anyway. It was a short film. And he is also the writer-director of the movie Absentia. Now, if you've been listening for a while, you will know I saw that movie with Zombart. And his friend Sophocles, also known as Eudora Sprinkles, as he's known in the Rocky Horror Shadowcast world. That movie topped my list for 2011. That was my number one horror movie. I loved it. I loved its melancholy tone. I loved the character building that happened in it. I love that it gave you a left turn in the middle. You did not end up anywhere near where you thought you were going when the movie started out. So I had high hopes going into this, but I had also talked to Mike. He appreciated the review and he had said, Mike Flanagan, name dropping. And he's like, oh, I'll send you a copy of Oculus because I think you'll enjoy it. And I never got it. And I asked him about a year ago, why not? And he's like, oh, I can't send it to anyone because we're making it into a feature-length film. And this is where the movie suffers a bit. It kind of still feels like a short film that got fleshed out. And maybe that's because I went in with high hopes from Absentia. But that said, where it suffers is that the characters don't have a lot of time to develop. You know, you meet the brother and sister and you like them, but they're so single-minded and they're focused to get rid of this mirror, you don't learn a hell of a lot else about them. But that much said... The performances are incredibly strong in this. The two kids, I mean, the brother and sister, their younger selves, four wonderful, engaging actors. And the mother and the father, and that's pretty much your whole cast right there. Just wonderful, 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 wonderful performances. I cared about everybody, and you just know that this is all ending badly somehow. Because this mirror is a dick. Much like ghosts, this mirror is a dick. I kept turning to Bradford, I'm like, oh my god. I hate this thing. This thing is such a jerk. And there's some great visuals in this, in this as well, especially involving apparitions with eyes that are mirrored so you can see yourself in them and fix your hair and everything. But I really enjoyed Oculus. I liked it a lot. Is it as good as Absentia? No, but that's okay because it's not Absentia. And this is the funny thing too because I decided to show Absentia to Bradford last night. It's on Netflix Instant Watch if you haven't seen it yet. But in Absentia, the pregnant wife whose husband is missing, she goes to see her psychologist because she's seeing things. And as he's talking to her, I realize that's the mirror hanging in his office. So I guess that was a little nod in his first, first full-length feature to his first short feature. Granted, it's a smaller version of the mirror, but I'm like, that's gotta be the damn-ass mirror because it just looks, it looks just like 
the one in the mainstream movie now, except smaller, because the man, this, this mirror is big. And there's a funny thing, there's a moral to this story. When they first buy the mirror and move into the house, the mother, the, the mother is saying to the husband, she's like, you know, I, I know I said we should buy antiques and stuff, but this thing is a bit much. And he's like, well, I could have just gone and bought Ikea like you wanted me to, but you wanted to get antiques. So the moral of the story is, if they had just gone and bought Ikea furniture, none of this would have ever happened. So it's up to you. Do you want kind of crappy Swedish furniture that's impossible to put together? Or do you want to have your soul sucked out by a looking glass with an attitude problem? It's really up to you. If something tells me you can get your soul sucked out by... And I don't trust any furniture that I can't pronounce. So, you know, as I sit here on my office chair, also known as the Flügenfliegenflagen, Flanken, it could be sucking my soul out through my butt. Oculus, I like the list. That was stupid. Oi. This is Zombie Girl TJ from Nowhere calling back in to tell you how much I'm enjoying the back catalog of Korean Queens. Oh, well done. Um, So I'm really glad I found your podcast. Me too. And I particularly enjoyed the the 100th episode where you and Bradford (laughs) did the drunky cast. I don't know what you're talking about. Really went down a whole rabbit hole on Dark Knight. I'm going to have to watch that movie now. Um, I don't have any recommendations. Number one, I don't really want to be put up against the wall because I haven't seen enough horror movies to like even, uh huh, that's uh, fine. You know, recommend something that you probably haven't seen. The only thing I will say is I have a yes, you call it a uh, uh there's so many dirty things. You know, you have like a guilty, uh, guilty pleasure. Yes, um, and that is Clive Barker's Nightbreed. So oh. there you go. I'll go up against the wall on that one if you didn't like it or if you watch it and don't like it. Um, that's it. Other than, can you let me know, is Slam gay? I think he might be, because he talked about having a date with Freddy Krueger and how it didn't quite work out the way he wanted. Yeah, yeah. Because if he's, you know, if he's not gay, or if he's at least bi, could you, like, give him my number? Because he sounds like a really fun date. Bye. Oh, TJ, my love, thank you so much for calling in. What a delight. Yay. Um, that was a lot of information to process in one call. First of all, Flem is omnisexual. He is not gay. He is not straight. He is not bi. He is omnisexual. Like he is an omnivore. That bitch will eat anything. So if that's what you're into, go for it. But, you know, breaking up with Flem ain't cute. So, be warned. I'll pass it along, but, you know. He does have a curfew now because I control him and everything. But anyway, not the point right now. Very brave girl. Very brave. Volunteering, but not really volunteering to put yourself up against the wall for Clive Barker's Nightbreed. Now, here's the thing. Um, I saw Nightbreed once when it first came out. I don't remember much about it. And at Harhound Weekend, they had the restored version... And all I remember, okay, I sat there with Randy, Randy, Uncle Randy, from the Drunken Zombie Podcast. My chair keeps making that farting noise, and it's really embarrassing. And the thing was, Clive Barker was going to be there as well, as some of the folks from Hellraiser. Now, this was a big event. Like, Randy bought a $100 ticket to sit in the front row. I was like, okay, girl, because he's dying to see this new restored version. Anyway, Clive Barker was very, very late. I think it was, it was supposed to be a chat with him starting at 6. And I think the screening was at 7. I'm just making up numbers right now. 
but let's just say six o'clock came, seven o'clock came, eight o'clock came. Clive Barker hadn't come down and they kept saying, Clive will be down soon. Clive Barker's very ill. You know, he just had throat cancer surgery. So he sounds like he got hit with a Mack truck. And he kept saying that, you know, no matter how bad his voice sounds, it didn't hurt. But the thing was, it hurt to listen to. So he finally came down at like 8, 8.30. And they did the whole panel that they were going to do anyway. before. So it was like another hour and a half before the screening started. And the thing was, the poor guy was talking, and he had a microphone, and he still couldn't hear because he talked like that. And he talked about writing, and the censorship, and the harm industry, and It was awful. A lot of people left. Just because you couldn't hear him, and what you could hear was painful. Now, he didn't have one of those throat things, you know, a little throat kazoos. No, no, he doesn't have that. So is that. But the other thing with Nightbreed, I have since become friends with the star of Nightbreed, and Bobby. She asked me to do a show ages ago for her to do a stage reading of a play that she had written and, you know, through her mutual friend, Doug Shapiro, who was on the, um, boop, 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 what was that? Evil Under the Sun episode. The guy who has no aesthetic distance when it comes to horror movies. He'd like him. He knows her. He introduced me. They put, and I'm going, I know this gal. I don't know why. I just figured it's a small city. And I'm like, oh my God, that's Ann Bobby, Broadway star, star of Nightbreed, star of, star of Cop Rock. Starve like everything. And so now we're friends and it's cool. I would love to take another look at Nightbreed. I'm just not sure if it's available. If I can find it, girl, I'll watch it. Because that would be fun. Anyway, TJ, thank you for the call. And also, TJ, thank you for alerting me to the problem with episode 107. Like some of you, if you downloaded it early, or I should say punctually, or from iTunes, you got the wrong episode. No, I mean, it was the right episode. It just wasn't the polished, finished episode. I put, I mixed in the wrong track, the one that was still kind of raw and unedited and didn't have the trailers in it. I reposted it earlier this week. So hopefully you've got it now. I mean, you probably heard the best parts of it anyway. You just mentioned the trailers. But hey, you want to be polished, right? So polish it. Come on, rub it. Rub it till it shines. That's disgusting. I'm sorry, TJ, to have to say something so gross to you because you're a classy broad. Who wants to date a gargoyle, but hey, whatever. Whatever floats your boat. Okay, that's all the voicemail we got for this week. Now, if you want to be cool like TJ, like you could, because TJ's the coolest, by all means, give me a call at 347-767-3509. Or you can write me at crew at screamqueens.com. And as always, that's Queens with a Z. You can like me on Facebook by doing a search for the Scream Queens Horror Podcast and join the group there. Join the chat. You can follow me on Twitter, at Scream Queens, also with a Z. You can now listen to me on the Stitcher radio app, Smart Radio, Stitcher Smart Radio. So you can download that and you have me in your pocket phone thing at any time that you like. And hey, here's the other thing, kids. I'm new on Stitcher. They now have reviews on Stitcher. I have zero reviews there at all. Now, I haven't gotten a review on iTunes since last summer. And I kind of realized because iTunes has kind of gone the wayside. I don't use it anymore because the podcasting app is terrible. I can't find my shows. The downloading is awkward. It's just clunky and awful. So I don't use it anymore. However, it's still a rating system. It puts my name out there, puts the show out there. So if you haven't, leave me a uh, review on iTunes. If you left an iTunes review, copy, paste it, and put it on Stitcher. Because they don't know who I am yet. And they need to know who we are. I'm not using the royal way, believe it or not. I mean, we as an us, as a collective, as a thing. Now, I know last time I said I was going to be sitting down with my friend Kevin. And we were going to be talking about the movie he directed called Sacrament, not to be confused with Ty West's Sacrament, which is a terrible, terrible case of bad timing. And we were going to be talking about the gay horror comedy Creatures from the Pink Lagoon. But Sean, did I say Kevin? His name is Sean. I don't know what's the matter with me. I'm <laughs> it's getting to the end of the show and I'm giddy. <laughs> like I wasn't giddy when I started. Anyway, shut up, Patrick. Sean had some medical issues that he had to deal with. It seemed pretty serious. So I said, you know what? I'm not going to bother him. But he's doing okay. He's fine now. It was all kind of a scare. And Sean's good. He's going to be here next time, hopefully. And we're going to be talking about 
Creature from the Back Lagoon. I'll be plugging away at his movie, uh, Sacrament, talking about his queer film festival down in, I think, Dallas, Texas. And I'm going to be taking a look at the slasher movie that has been directed and written by some of the guys over at the Hysteria Continues podcast called The Night Before Easter, which is available in certain places for like $2.99. If you want to risk it before I review it, go check it out. And finally, next episode will be my birthday show. Which means it's also Bradford's birthday show. He's going to be mad that I just sang the Baby Elephant song for his birthday music, but too bad. He's not here right now. So if you want to send some loving, by all means, give us a call, give us a line, leave us a review, make a donation over on the website, hit that little button and contribute to the show because that is all good and keeps me putting my shit in up in your business. In up in your business, maybe I should buy a book on grammar rather than, I don't, you know what, fuck everything. Okay, the show is over for another week. Thank you for joining me. It has been a pleasure having you here. So now go forth, my children. Go forward and make the world continue, rather, to make the world a creepier place. And remember, as my grandmama used to say, Boy, I know it's spring, but you better not be signing up to do the maypole dance again this year. Not after what happened last year. How many times have I had to tell you? Don't lick that pole. Bye. I go hunting for witches. Heads up, going to roll. Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com, bitches. <laughs>